been on my heart since last, well, it was, all I know, it was 90 degrees out and 95% humidity. So I don't know if you remember that day. It was like Monday, Tuesday, one of those days. Um, I was out mowing. I was out mowing and I, because I knew I had to get it done. So I was out there in uh, sweat and all that kind of stuff. And then I had to weed whack and so I'm weed whacking. And then, uh, you know, have you ever been startled? Like, you like something comes out, well, my daughters scared me, you know, like, because when you're not expecting something, so they come out, and I'm like, Ugh. you know, it's, uh, hey, it's, a, it's even it's some people I love to see, they scare, they scared me, and they're like, and so what I found out was, Jacelyn, my oldest, goes to mom, my, my wife goes, daddy's out there working, I, I can't have fun in here while my dad's working, so I got to go out there, which I, I was like, yes, let's do this. Oh, good parenting style. But they're out there, and so they're just picking up some sticks, you know, nothing too major. So I'm doing that. And then I, so I go to the front of my house, and I'm down at the bottom. Now my youngest, she's wearing uh, shorts, but like too big of boots for her. She comes down, and so I see her coming like directly at me, and I I'm, I'm sweaty, I'm a mess, I'm just like, what, what should she want? What does she want? It's going through my mind, taking her time, coming down. We li- it's a little bit of a hill, so she's coming down the hill. She gets to me and goes, Daddy, I love you. <laughs> and starts walking back up. And I, I tell you something, I did nothing. I did nothing. I was there thinking, what do you want? Like, what is going on? I had all these other thoughts in my head. God's put on my heart since then that someone in here needs to know that God loves you. God loves you. Not by what you've done. Not by all these little thoughts in your head that like, if I do this, God loves me more. Like, or if I don't do this, God, now, like, less. I'm not, I'm not saying that we're not supposed to pursue God, but God loves you radically in a, in a way that is just throughout Scripture, throughout time, that God has continued to prove it. And maybe that's just where you're at today, and you need to hear it. Because I tell you, my heart felt different after that. I was weed-whacking a little bit different. Because I knew I did nothing. And she took her time because she wanted to tell her dad, I love you. How, how impressionable. And think about what Jesus did. He sent his son Jesus to us to prove that he loved us, to come to us. When we were still sinners, when we were lost, he came to us says, I love you. And this is how I love you. And he died and rose again to conquer that death. I, I, that's just been on my heart. I don't know if someone just needs to hear that, that they're, they're in this, this race of like, I have to do this to accomplish, have to do this. I, I, just, I just know that was a huge moment for me. And I felt God spoke into my heart. 
We've been talking uh, and we've been di uh, diving into uh, the process of disciple making. And today's lesson is called Make Disciples. As you clearly know, if you have the paper, uh, there's a lot more writing you have to do. I didn't really do fill in the blanks this week, so have fun. Uh, that sort of gives you an opportunity if you want to fill stuff out. If not, that's, that's totally fine. But we're going to start with, and we're going to continue to dive in what discipleship means. We went through, uh, through it last week, and I'm going to go through the definition that we're using for discipleship. It is intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. We are going to celebrate replication. We are going to celebrate living life together. We can celebrate and we should celebrate when someone finds Christ. We should celebrate when someone has bapti uh, gets baptism. We should celebrate when people come to the church. But if that's the end point, then we have lost discipleship. We have lost what Jesus has called us to do. Jesus has called us to go make disciples. I think uh, uh, today a lot of us have dealt with what does that really look like? How do we actually execute this out? And I, I think on one end, we have to continue to, um, our knowledge has to be important. But I like what Dave Browning says, and I said this uh, a while back. But he says this, I am convinced that the gap holding back most believers is not the gap between what they know and what they don't know. It's the gap between what they know and what they're living. We are educated beyond our obedience. We know a lot of stuff. I think if, uh, if our church was to go to like a, a, a competition of who would know the most stuff in a, like a, a quizzing or like an event of knowledge, I think we'd stack up really well. Like knowing information. The question and challenge is, are we living it out? Are we living out what we know? And that's something that we've got to continue to wrestle with. A convert is someone that is walking away from God. Walking away, and he goes here and he realizes, I have sinned, I have fallen short, and I turn around. Correct? Facing the other direction. That is the definition of a, con uh, uh, of a convert. Turned around. And we're going to dive a little bit more into what that looks like compared to discipleship. Today, before we dig in, I want you to say, uh, today's going to be a much more practical, much more examining of the heart of where you're at. And taking a look at, am I a disciple maker? Am I doing what God has asked me to do. We're going to take a look at these five attributes. Now, I'm telling you, this is not an exhaustive list, okay? These are just some key five attributes to take a look at. Am I making disciples? Or am I able to make disciples? Or am I, is someone discipling me? If someone's discipling me, what would they look like? Okay? So these five are going to be 
these basically five attributes of disciple maker. First one, first one, it's not too crazy, is do they love God with their heart, soul, and mind for God? Do they love God? If you want to write a verse down, and we've been here already, it's Matthew 22, 37 through 38. And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. You need to know Christ to make him known. <laughs> you have to know Christ to make him known. My daughter can explain, even though she's three, she, she came up and said, I love you. Why does she love me? Because she knows me. She knows me. She knows what I'm about. She knows who, who I am. She knows that I'll care for her. Even when she's mad, even when I tell her, no, we can't watch TV, and she goes away crying and angry and upset, she still knows I love her. She knows her father. So she can describe it because she knows. I also want you to think, have you, or do you know of someone that just when you're around them, you know that they love God? Isn't that special? Isn't that like unique when you're just like, man, I want to be around that person more. Or you're like, there's something there that I want. Like even though I found Jesus, like they, they get it. Are you that person? You might be that person. It's, it's something there. A heart for God, loving God for everything. Number two, that, you, that the disciple maker has a love and is a friend to the disciple. Love and is a friend to the disciple. And that comes from the next verse, Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, And it says this, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Question, how often do you tell people how to live or not to live instead of actually living life with them? I think in our culture, we love telling people how to do things or what they shouldn't be doing. But are we really living it alongside them? Are we going through this journey, this messiness, when you live life with people, you laugh, you cry, there's anger, there's a messiness to it. But when you love people, that gives you the privilege to speak into their life. I think that's been our biggest fault, is many people love telling people how to do things, but they haven't loved them. They haven't earned that space to even speak into their life. Why would I listen? If I am far from God, why would I listen to someone that doesn't really even love me, but just tells me how to do things? Correct? Like when you're around people that you love, you take their advice. You have conversations with them and you're, you're, you're molded because you actually care what they think about. But we haven't spoken into it. And it, 
it's just a challenge that we have to go into. And uh, the one key verse that I also speaks in this is Ephesians 4.16. And I'm reading from the ESV, and it says this, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is it to equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love. It does not build itself in congregants. It does not build itself in happiness. It does not build itself in these other things. It builds itself in love. We need to be of love, loving each other, living life together so we can speak into it. We as a church have been teaching people how to share their faith, which is great because we need to share our faith. We as a church have not been teaching people how to share their lives, which is not great. We have to share our lives together. That's a challenge for us even here in this church. Like, I can tell you, we, it's, there's a, you can come here on Sunday, and that is great, and I love it. And you can go away and not talk to anyone for a week and then come back Sunday. And that's great, and that's fine, and that's what it is. But that's hard to live life together. It's a lot different when you can live life throughout the week. That's why me and my wife know each other better, because we have to go through life through, through it. And it's hard. There's stuff. There's busyness. There's all that kind of stuff. But do we love people throughout the week? That is something that is a challenge. But it's also an example of a good disciple maker. Someone who loves God and then also loves people and loves his friends and is a friend to people. Another thing is, do you have a 2 a.m. friend? Do you have a person at 2 o'clock in the morning when everything goes wrong you could call? Or are you that friend? Are you that person? Okay? That's a, you need to look in your heart. Maybe you need to build that friendship with someone like that. Maybe if you are that person, you need to keep it up and build it up. Because when we have that, we need that in the community. You need that. When everything goes wrong, do you have that? And a good disciple maker is someone that's there for you. But I also want you to say this. A true friend will give you the hard truth. A true friend will tell you something you don't like. A true friend will do it out of love, but is willing to risk that friendship because they care and love so much about you. And they've built that relationship. That's dangerous. It's dangerous because you don't want to lose friendships. You don't want to do that. So it needs to be prayed over, it needs to be bathed over, and it needs to be truthful. Because the main thing sometimes is you have to be built with love. If it's from yourself, that's different than from God. If it's from yourself, it's different from God. But if you're a true friend and God's put it on your heart and continue to push you in that, if you're going to be that true friend that you need to be, you need to be willing to risk it. You need to be willing to hear the hard truth. 
some of us do not love being on the other end. Some of us love giving hard truth, but some of us don't love receiving it. Number three. A disciple maker is living a godly life. That comes from Colossians 1.10. Let's look at Colossians 1.10 together. You can write that down. You can look up there. It's up on the board as well. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, This week I was reading uh, also Job, Job 1, and it said this about Job 1. And most of the time when we hear Job, we think of all the bad stuff that had happened to him. Correct, right? We had heard all the bad stuff, and then that's... But Job 1, it starts out with this. Job was a man that was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. So you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. A disciple maker is one who is pursuing and living a godly life. Job was a man that was blameless and upright before any of that had happened. All the stuff happened. And that's why God calls, on, uh, calls him, tells Satan, what about my man Job? What about it? Are you one that fears God? Are you one that turns from evil? These are challenging words. These are challenging words to myself. We are to walk in a manner that is fitted for the gospel and a life that is lived for Christ. How do you handle these things? Because it matters. It matters. The only way I can remain blameless is through the blood of Jesus Christ and the working of the Holy Spirit. This does not give me a blank slate to do whatever I want, but we are to strive and run the race that God has given us. And the only way we can do that is through the Holy Spirit. So we must be connected and with God all the time. We are loved, but we are also called to live a holy life. Number four. A disciple maker is one that prays and is patient with the disciple. First Corinthians three six says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave growth. When I look when I look at this one of praying and being patient. I th this one is a struggle. Why? Because there's a million things to do. Right? I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a son. I work. I have to get my kids to school. I got, I got the church. It's busy. It's easy to start not being patient. It's easy to slow up on uh, the prayer. It's easy to take time because what did we talk about not too long ago? 
Busyness seeps in really quickly. And all those are great things. Being a husband, I'm supposed to be that. Being a good father, I'm supposed to do that. Now, none of them are bad things, but they seep away from time with God and with being a disciple maker. What does your life look like? This is why this is all you and God. Some of you, this is what's always unique about these kind of conversations because different people can be different places everywhere. Some of you right now are being like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I feel like I'm doing really well. Some of you are like, I'm 0 for 4. <laughs> like, or, like, I know of these people. Like, it, it, there should be a little bit of turmoil in here. And hopefully that's the Holy Spirit, not a conviction of like, oh, I have to do this. I have No, what's God telling you, putting on your heart? What's he leaning into? Maybe it's one, maybe it's all of them. But what's he leading into? Satan can get us distracted so easily, and we can't be that. But we are called to be blameless, like we just talked about, and upright, and do no evil. So the only way we can do that is to be with the Lord, and that is through praying with Him. I also need to be patient with people that I'm working with. This is from a quote from a conference that I went to, and uh, it has to do with prayer, and uh, I really like it. It goes, if you don't pray to God, you are saying, I got this, instead of saying, you got this. If you don't pray to God, you are saying, I got this. How many times do we in our lives say, I got this, God? I got this, God. I got this. Unless it gets really, really bad, then like God take over. But isn't God supposed to have everything? Like you got this, God. You got this. You got this employee at work that's bugging me. You got this, the, my kids, even when I don't know how to handle this. I'm trying to come up with a million answers, but like, have I gone, you got this, God. I don't know how to deal with this situation. You got this, God. There is a tension there because we want to take over in every aspect. We're fine with giving God our salvation. We are not always fine with giving God our lives. We have to give God our lives. We have to give God our moments. We have to give God not just Sunday, and, uh, and usually we say a day. We have to give God our minutes, our seconds. And that is hard because we want to take over. The flesh is saying, I want that tension back. We can't live that way. That's not the way God's called us to live. You got this, God. We have to position ourselves in the correct position. And that's always depending on God. That's being vulnerable to God. And that's hard. And it's also hard because it usually takes time. We don't like the time that it takes. Because if I take care of it, then I know it's going to be taken care of in my time. But God's time is usually different. I started to, to do some discovery into what trees are like. Because there's strong trees and there's weak trees. So I was like, okay, let's take a look at some trees and trees and discovery. So it says this. 
Cottonwoods is a form of trees grow up to five to eight feet a year. Okay, so that's not bad at all. It's actually pretty quick to grow eight feet in a year. It says this, um, some of the species reach up to 40 feet to 60 feet in height. And it's so fast that, that they're growing. But because of this, because their growth is so fast, they're weak. Their branches spread 20 feet to 35 feet, uh, uh, feet apart and are dangerous when they're close to houses or cars because they break easily. The leaves and branches are highly susceptible to numerous diseases and insects. And this is a quote uh, from uh, uh, looking into it. Uh, it says, in summary, most quick-growing trees are weak-wooded, produce lots of seeds, but are messy fruits. They're root suckers, they're, uh, and they are badly diseased and insect-susceptible. But compare that to the oak tree. The oak tree takes a long time to grow and is not as fast. It's actually, when its branches go out, it's actually very similar to the same root structure. The roots are deep and grow big. You know, an oak tree can withstand incredible strong storms, incredible from tornadoes to hurricanes, even when they're stripped away from their leaves, oak trees can survive because of their strength, their curvy branches, and their incredible root systems. Oak trees are known for the longevity, but it takes time for them to grow. It takes hundreds of years as they continue to grow. You have to be patient. I think sometimes that's what will happen is when people, they they. First, they, we find, oh, they're a Christian. We hand them a Bible and we let them go. And they might be reading for a while. And they might do all this stuff, but they aren't rooted. We haven't rooted. You need to be rooted in the Scripture. You need to be rooted correctly. And it takes time. So if you're a disciple maker, or if you're looking for someone to be discipled, disciple you, is that, as you're struggling with that, you need to find someone that's going to be patient with you. Do you know how patient Jesus was with the 12? He was with them three years, and you know, there were many times where he was like, are you ever going to get it? Literally, that's what he says. Like, are you going to get it? He was patient, but he still had to move them. And at times you need to be patient, but you got to continue to move. And you have to be able to be patient, though, in those times, because he's still stuck with them. And that's why we have the gospel today. So make sure when you are, wherever you're at, to find someone that is patient and you are patient with as well. And number five, you are never going to arrive on this side of life. You are never going to arrive on this side of life. You will never arrive. What I'm saying that is it will always be work. Discipleship never ends. Living this out never ends until your last breath. That's why it's messy. That's why it's confusing. That's why sometimes it's, you don't know how it always goes. It's different seasons. But you always are 
in it. Discipleship doesn't end when you retire from your job. Discipleship isn't uh, there when you're working. Uh, doesn't end when you have overtime. D- discipleship doesn't end when you're in a nursing home. Discipleship doesn't end when you're sitting at home. Like it is ongoing. Your life matters. It's a gift. You get to continue to live it out. But it never ends, and you never arrive. We don't arrive until Jesus comes back in all of His glory. And it's on. Then we don't. It's not until Christ says so. The reason why I started a convert is one who has repented from the past, like I said, turns around and faces the future in faith in Jesus. But this is what I wanted to challenge you with. But a disciple is one that doesn't simply face this new direction but begins to walk in it. That's the challenge that I'm asking you to live. This is not a salvation issue. This is nothing like that. I'm asking, are you walking? These were just five simple applications to your life that you have to wrestle with yourself. You have to start looking at, am I partaking in any of these? Are these aspects of my life? And if so, if I am doing a lot of these, if I'm doing these, who am I discipling? Who am I investing my time with? Who am I living my time with? And if you are going to say, well, I, I, I'm too old, people don't relate, that's not what God's called you to do. You are faithful with the little and to produce the fruit that you are uh, able to produce. Stop taking over and go to God and let Him take over. Let him worry about the fruit. Let him worry about it. But you have to be connecting. You have to be like, who am I investing into? And if you are investing into someone, or you are, what does that look like? Are you looking for someone that wants to influence your life? So if you're here, don't be just standing here being like, oh, I got a great head knowledge. I have great head knowledge of what God wants me to do. It is time to start walking. It is time to start moving, to be a disciple maker. That's what we're called to do. We are called not just to know that we have salvation. So many of you where you're at. So right now the challenge is, is I want you to circle one that you need right now if you wrote them down. Or maybe it's just in your head. What is one that I'm going to work on this week? That I'm just going to get bathe in prayer. Maybe it's just, I am going to bathe this in prayer. And God, what do you want me to do with this? Maybe it's, I am not patient with nobody. <laughs> I am not patient with nobody. Work on me with that. Work on me with that. Because here's the, the danger of giving out these lists. Some of you have three or four that you feel really confident in, and there's one that you don't, and you're like, well, then I'm not ready to be a disciple maker. I'm not ready... We're so easy to be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not worthy of that. That's not what God's called us to. God didn't give a 10-step process to be like, oh, okay, now you're worthy of it, okay? This is for you to judge your own heart. This list is for you to put yourself right with God and be like, okay, what steps do I need to take? And then let's start that process of what it's like 
to actually live life out, not just on Sundays, but live life out throughout the week with other people radically and differently. Where we can be a witness to people, where we can love people in their mess, where we can be what we're called to be, disciple makers. So I'm challenging you, will you walk with me as we continue to head towards Jesus? Let's pray. Is there any Father, I just pray for people right now as wherever they're at, if they feel that they have a lot that they have to work on or if they just wanted one or two things or, or none, may you, com- may you comfort people to know that they're loved. May you also challenge people and, and push in areas where they're, they need to get right and whatever that is. May you just continue to guide them as they head out this week. And as we continue to start these life groups and the the discipleship groups, and may we just, as we continue to try to live life together, just may we be challenged by you, but may we also know that everything is yours. And may we put it in your hands and not try to take over. I thank you for the grace and mercy that you've given all of us and the love that you've shown all of us. And I thank you for that. Just be with us as we head out through this week. We love and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.